In preparation for today, um, I spent some time in prayer and just uh, wondering what the Lord would have me share with you today. And the words uh, came to me from uh, Psalm 34, um, where in Psalm 34 we have the words, Taste and see that the Lord is good. And, um, and so this morning I want to reflect with you on Psalm 34. So if you have your Bibles... Um, I invite you to turn to that, um, Psalm 34, right in the smack dab in the middle of the Bible, the book of Psalms, and we're going to look at um, 34. Can I have the PowerPoint? Are we on? No, I don't, I don't need the scripture, I just need the PowerPoint. Sorry. We'll get there. There we go. Taste and see. Let me just tell you about um, a man by the name of Horatio Spafford. He was a man that uh, lived um, in a previous century. He was a successful uh, Chicago lawyer. Um, He lived in the 1800s. He uh, was a man who was quite wealthy, but he lost all of his wealth uh, in a financial crisis of 1873. Um, And so what Horatio thought he would do is that he would send his wife over to France, to Europe, uh, and maybe resettle there and begin a new life. Uh, But on their way, their ship was struck by another, and that ship sank. And of the 225 passengers on that ship, only 87 of them survived. And Horatio's wife, um, she was among the survivors, but the four daughters that were sent along with her perished. They drowned. So as soon as she reached France, uh, she telegraphed her husband and she wrote this, Saved alone, children lost, what shall I do? Now Spafford left for France immediately, um, he took the next vessel out to join his wife and return to them as a couple back to Chicago. And in the depth of all of his sorrow that he was experiencing, he wrote, his one and only hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. Perhaps the words of this first stanza will take on new meaning for you as you just ponder them for a moment. When peace like a river attends my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Now you might think it very difficult to understand. How could a man like that who just got the news and he's on his way to meet up with his wife, got the news that four of his daughters were drowned in that tragic accident, how he could ever write, let alone sing those words. When sorrows like sea billows roll, it is well, it is well with my soul. I mean, could you sing those words if you faced your own tragedies in your own life? I mean, it might be a death of a loved one. It might be a a financial loss. It might be a great spiritual struggle that you're going through. Maybe it's news that you got from your doctor about some health issues. You know, I think of the many, many people throughout my years of ministry that I've sat with and cried with and stood by a graveside where they put into the ground, you know, their spouse that they had just married, you know, two years ago, or a child that drowned in their pool, or an infant that died 
in the crib. Or a son who committed suicide. Or a husband who committed suicide. And I often, as I think back to those years of ministry and sitting with those people and crying with these people and working with these people through their grief and sorrow, I'd often wonder, how can one go on when you face tragedy in life? Well, that's why we're going to look at Psalm 34. Just listen to these words and and think of your own situation. Maybe you can think of somebody else in your own life. Or maybe you can think of, um, you know, the situations that we find ourselves in our world today. So what can we do? Listen to these words. Psalm 34. It's a psalm of David. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all of my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man, and David's talking about himself, this poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and weary and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against all who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out. The Lord hears them. He delivers them from all of their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems his servants. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. Let us pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth... And may the meditations of our heart be found pleasing in your sight. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you who are Lord of this church and over everything in our life, that you will be honored and glorified. And that when everything has been said and done, that not only will you be glorified, but every person here will be helped. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Psalm 34 was written by David. David, like the lawyer um, Spafford, he was able to praise God in the midst of his tragedies. Do we have the slides?
This is what David says. This is his testimony at the beginning of this psalm. I will bless, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be on my mouth. My soul will boast in the Lord. I mean, I wonder, can you say that? I will bless the Lord at all times. At all times. And then David goes on in this psalm to encourage you and I to do exactly that to praise God and to celebrate His goodness even in the midst of the toughest things of life. This is what he says, let the afflicted hear and rejoice. In other words, if you go through tough times in life, I've got a few things, says David, that I want you to learn. I want you to understand a few things that will help you when you face those tragedies in your own life. Because the reality of life is this. In this world, you and I will have trouble. I mean, being righteous or a believer is no guarantee that your life will be devoid of the difficulties that seem to mar so much of human life in general. I mean, you just got to look around in the world today, don't you? And you see a lot of pain and sufferings. I mean, hospitals that are filled with people facing an endless list of illnesses and diseases. I mean, towns and villages are are packed full of unrest, and we know that especially today in Israel, in the Gaza, and in in, um, other places of this world where there's just ongoing unrest, just like we have seen in the Ukraine for the longest time over the past year. But we look in our cities and in our towns, the crime and poverty, and Australia is not void of that as well. And neither we as we as individuals. I mean, families are marred and scarred with brokenness, abuse, and pain. And the obituary page in the newspaper always has a list of people who have passed on, who have died. Young ones, older ones, people from every walk of life. And there is one thing that God has never promised anyone. (laughs) Not even if you are a follower of Jesus. And that is that when you become a follower of God and when you are a Christian, that all of a sudden all of your trouble will go away. In fact, Jesus said, in this world, you and I will have trouble. That's the reality of life. And that's what David here in the psalm admits. Verse 19, a righteous person may have many troubles. A righteous person may have many troubles. In verse 18, David speaks those who are brokenhearted and crushed in spirit. People who suffer from a broken heart and their spirits are literally crushed. The word crushed here in the Hebrew literally means being pounded to dust, to little pieces. You ever felt like that? A time in your own life where you faced the brokenness of your own heart or your spirit was crushed because of something in your own life has happened to you? Well, David knew what it meant to have a broken heart. As the youngest of eight boys in his family, he was given the lowliest job in his father's business. But when he finally proved his youthfulness in doing something other than tending sheep, he was hunted down as an animal by the then King Saul, hunted to be killed. And that is when David wrote this psalm. David wrote this psalm when he was fleeing Saul, when Saul was hunting him down, ready to kill him. And later on in his own life, his own son, the rebellious Absalom, tried to overthrow him as king and 
committed adultery with David's wives in full view of the people of Israel. Here now, David himself was hunted to be killed by his own son. I mean, David knew what it meant to suffer, to face troubles. This is an expression of his own heart that he says, as a poor man, I cry out these things to God. See, being righteous is no guarantee that you and I will be free from pain and suffering. That's the reality of life, even for a believer. I mean, you just got to page further on in the Bible. Go back to the book of Job. The book of Job describes the life of a man who the Bible says was a man who was upright before God. He was a righteous man. But yet he suffered tremendously. In fact, you know, he is... I mean, if there was ever uh, someone who was righteous, you know, here was one. His name was Job. Yet he experienced the financial loss of all of his wealth, the death of all of his children, the physical destruction of his health, and above it all, a very unsupportive wife. And on the ash heap of his suffering, Job knew what it meant to be broken to pieces and to be crushed in spirit. I mean, that's the reality of life. Just because you are a godly person and you live a godly life is no guarantee that disaster will not come near your home. It most likely will. So don't throw yourself, if you find yourself in that situation of life, into a state of guilt or maybe pointing fingers at others. But realize that this is the hard, sober reality of life, also for the righteous. We live in a broken world that is marred by sin, where evil strikes every area of life. The enemy death lurks around every corner. Satan is out to torment people. And so even for the righteous, your heart may be broken and your spirit may be crushed. That's the reality of life. Both verses 17 and 19 speak about the trouble that the righteous have in life. But smack dab in the middle of those two verses, verse 18 speaks of the reassurance that we have in the midst of the reality of life. This verse speaks of the hope that we have in the midst of all of our troubles. And the hope is this. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. That's the reassurance that you and I have in the midst of all the troubles that we might face in life. We can never outrun God. God is always near to us. He's always close by. That's a promise. The righteous can be assured of one thing, and that is this, that God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. He will always remain close by. Some time ago, I read of the story of six Scottish miners who were forced to make a heart-rendering decision. This was back in the years when they were mining in Scotland, and while they were working some 1,500 feet below the surface, the shaft all of a sudden collapsed, and debris trapped one of their companions. And then mud and water started to run into the shaft, and the miners realized that if, if they were going to find a way to escape, soon that place to escape would be uh, impossible to venture because of all the mud and water that came into that shaft. And they would perish if they would not delay in trying to get out. 
But they knew that they had one more miner that was trapped in that shaft. And with great nag agony, the six men decided that they were going to let their co-worker die rather than be entombed in the shaft while attempting to save him. They were all compelled to abandon him, and that is what they did. Now think of that in contrast to what God promises you and me. God is never forced to forsake one of the righteous. No matter how desperate the situation may be or how great the problems that you and I might face in our life or how deep in the shaft of our own calamity we find ourselves, the Heavenly Father will always stay by your side to meet your deepest needs with infinite wisdom and power. Under no circumstance and under no time will he give up on those that he has purchased with the blood of his Son. At times, you and I, we might feel that we are abandoned, but we will never be abandoned. Never. That is God's promise. Not only that, but David goes on to Psalm to tell us how God will save us in the midst of our troubles. He doesn't take us away from our troubles, but he saves us and delivers us out of our troubles. Verses 18 and 19, he saves those who are crushed in spirit. The Lord delivers him from all of his troubles. Yes, troubles may come, but God is there to deliver us out of them. It's interesting that the word save that we have here in verse 18 is the same word, um, is the word Yeshua, which in Greek is the word Jesus. He will save. That's God's promise. He will save us. And in a world that is troubled, by sin and condemnation, God saved us by sending his son, Jesus Christ, into this world. And now there is no condemnation for those who are righteous. Sin has been forgiven. You and I have been redeemed. And for those of us who have broken hearts or crushed spirits, the same Savior is there to deliver us. It might be the untimely death of a loved one. It might be a sickness. It might be a financial loss, whatever it might be. But the Lord God is Lord. And somehow and in some way, he will deliver you. He'll pick you up. He'll help you make a new start. He will heal damaged emotions. He will strengthen weak knees. He will steady trembling hearts. And someday, one day as he promised, he will wipe every single tear from our eyes and make all things new. He will save you. Is not his name Jesus, which means he will save you. In the midst of your trouble, you might conclude that God is not fair. And that is why you need to be reassured that God will be there to save you. He will be there to deliver you. And not just deliver you from some of your troubles, but as verse 19 puts it so emphatically, he will deliver you and I from all of your troubles, all of them. There is nothing in your or my life that will trouble you that God will not save you from and deliver you from them all. And it's no wonder that David says that our only response to all of this, yes, we know the reality of the pain and we know the reassurance that God is with us, and that is why you and I need to respond by tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. Taste and see, says David. In the midst of life's uncertainties, you and I need to realize that nothing in life is wasted and everything plays a role. 
even the troubles that we have in life, the heartaches, the headaches. In this psalm, David encourages you and I to taste and to see that God is good. That's the reassurance from God in the face of life's reality. Look at verses 9 and 10. David just goes on and he says, this is what you need to do. You need to fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord will lack no good thing. Those who seek the Lord will lack no good thing. So if you follow Jesus, if you call yourself a, a, a Christ follower, you call yourself one who believes in Jesus, I mean, this is how you and I should respond to all of life's troubles. Fear the Lord. In fact, this fear of the Lord is not something that we do just when we go through trouble, but it's something that is the foundation of our life. It's the key to joy and happiness and fullness in life. To fear the Lord does not mean that we're afraid of God. To fear the Lord is to have an attitude of reverence and awe. This honoring of God expresses itself in a life of praise and prayer, obedience and loyalty to God. It's a life that takes refuge in God. It's a life that cries out to God. It's a life that turns from evil and does good. It's a life that is centered on God. A life that takes refuge in God, that cries out to God in praise and in prayer and turns from evil and does good. Totally focused on the Lord. And when your life is centered on God, you will lack nothing. In fact, those who seek the Lord will lack no good thing. The Apostle Paul puts it so emphatically in Romans 8. He says, all things work together for the good of those who love him, for those who fear him. Hear that again. Everything in your life works for the good of those who love him and who fear him. If you love and fear the Lord, then everything that happens in your life works for your good. <laughs> Nothing in life is wasted. It's there for your good. Now, how does that look like in real life? Well, like the words of um, the poet Helen Steiner Rice, she put it this way. She said, When I am troubled and lost in deep despair... I bundle all of my troubles up and I go to God in prayer. That's crying out to God. I tell him I am heartsick and lost and lonely too, that I am deeply burdened and I don't know what to do. But I know he's still the tempest and calm the angry sea. And I humbly ask if in his love he'll do the same for me. And then I just keep quiet and think of thoughts of peace. And as I abide in stillness, my restless murmuring cease. So this is what happens when you give yourself to a life that is one of trusting and fearing the Lord. Yes, the storms of life will come. But if your trust is in the Lord, you will taste and see that the Lord is good. The fear of the Lord brings joy and fulfillment in all of life's experiences, both bad and good. It may not prevent your heart from being broken, but it will mend a broken heart. This side of heaven, the fear of the Lord may not crush the forces of all evil that break into pieces your spirit, but it will restore those who are crushed in spirit. 
tears will be dried and the sorrow will turn into joy. The fear of the Lord may not prevent trouble from coming into your life, but it will deliver your life out of trouble. Nothing in this life is wasted and everything plays a role. So here's the challenge, our response, to keep trusting in the Lord, to keep fearing him in the midst of everything that we go through. And when you do that, you can say with the righteous man, Job, how, how tough it must have been for him to say this, but he says, the Lord has given and the Lord has taken. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And with King David, your soul can boast in the Lord and exalt his name together with all of the other believers. And with David, you will taste and see that the Lord is good. For you also realize that you lack no good thing. And with Horatio Spafford, the lawyer, you can sing, when peace like a river attends my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. Taste and see. Thank you, God, so much for this memorial of your death on the cross, this remembrance of what you have done for us, the giving of your body and the shedding of your blood. And we pray, Lord Jesus Christ, that as um, all the grains of wheat have been ground together into one loaf and how all the grapes have been pressed into one cup, so too that you will bind us together as believers in the hope that we have that because of what you have done for us on the cross, that we have life for now and for eternity. And Lord, help us to live out the expression of this in the way that we live it out in this church and in our community so that we may pass on to others, so that they too may be brought into this fold, to be brought into fellowship with you. And so, Father, um, accept our thanks for this remembrance. And Lord, may this be a time when we truly see in our own heart and life, we taste and see that God is good to us. We pray this all in his name. Amen.